Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. If you recall, once again, we're starting the series, or we started last week, called I Know You Are, Who Am I? And last week was just really foundational concerning knowing who we are in God and the times that we're living in. Especially this time in which we're living, it's important for you to know what you're a part of and who God's called you to be. And if you recall, last week we said that God has called us to be in the kingdom of God. Let me share that verse with you real quick, just to refresh your memory. It says in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 12 and 13, it says, We are grateful to the Father who has qualified us to participate in the complete portion of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13 says, He rescued us from the dominion of darkness, the sense-ruled world dominated by the law of performance, and relocated us into the kingdom where the, the love of His Son rules. So once again, notice that the Bible says that God has relocated you and me. In other words, you were born into this world, but when you received Christ, God changed your address. So we're in this world, but we're not of it. And so again, to have the right mentality, especially in this hour, you need to think correctly. Because when you watch the news, when you hear the radio, when you hear the conversations around the water cooler, when you have people that are just entrenched in their belief systems and their heels are dug in and they're trying to talk you into thinking and believing the way that they do. How many of you know that you've got to have a strong stick to and backbone about yourself to know who you are in God and that God has called me and translated me and brought me out of this current world situation and I live and act and operate in a different place. In other words, I operate from the kingdom of God. How many of you know that the kingdom of God is at work right here along this natural path of life? We said it this way last week. Again, this is just a little bit of a repeat. But to help you understand, the Bible says that you're not a physical body. He says that you have a physical body. That's the only way in which you're able to live in this natural world, to have an earth suit. You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. In fact, the Bible says to renew your mind. How many of you know that if you don't renew your mind, your mind will get squirrely? Has anybody ever lived some times where your minds and your thoughts have gotten squirrely and they've ran contrary to what God has said? Absolutely. I was talking to somebody just the other day and they said, I had to stop watching the news. In fact, one person said, I had to stop watching all the different preachers on Facebook because you hear one saying this and one saying that. And I just don't know what to believe and hook my faith up with. And so I just stopped it altogether. And so once again, you need to renew your mind According to the things of God and God will lead you to be connected to the right people so that everybody's moving in the same direction. Because God knows what you need at your address. 
Not only are we a, do we have a physical body, we possess a soul, but the Bible says that we are a spirit. You're a spirit man, a spirit woman. And that sounds a little bit weird, but if you recall, the Bible says that God is a spirit and we worship him in spirit and in truth. So therefore, the greater tangibility, the greater reality of this whole entire creation is spirit. And I know that we live in a world that's like, this is physical. This is tangible. I can feel it. It's real. I could sit on it and it would hold my weight. But everything natural came out of the spiritual realm or the kingdom of God. So that must mean that even though to my senses, this seems more real. But the reality is, is that the kingdom of God is actually a greater reality than the things of which we know. And so, therefore, to understand that during the season when things seem to be going haywire, when things seem to be going wrong, when it seems like the gas prices keep rising and we just don't know where the end is going to be and things are getting rough, we can have an assurance that the kingdom of God of which we have been translated into is a greater reality. And so, therefore, to have this understanding, it helps us navigate in this life. Now, there's some things that I want to bring to your attention there, and I'll come back to it. But I want to share this with you from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Notice it says, don't be conformed to this world, this world. Don't be conformed to this world. If he's telling us that we're not to be conformed to this world, then it would indicate to us that this world is trying to cause us to conform. And have you felt the weight of the world trying to conform you in this hour and in this time? Absolutely. And what is this world that it is telling us not to conform to? It really is an antichrist spirit that is against God and wants you to rely on your natural senses and, and tangibilities of this natural world. And God says, don't be conformed to this world. And there comes a point in the time that as you are moving forward, especially in this hour, that you're going to have to make decisions. And if you know who you are and of what kingdom you're a part of, you can do it with an assurance that God has your back. So let me just give you an example. Now, I'm not getting on a soapbox about this. It's just the natural facts of things that we're facing that's starting to affect church or the people of God. You realize that there's been the COVID thing that has been sweeping through the nation. There's the vaccination that everybody's been talking about. And I'm not anti-vaccination. I'm not against it, nor am I for it. I just, you do what God's called you to do. But you also see that the nation or the leadership is establishing a mandate for a vaccination for employment, right? And that is starting to hit workplaces and workforces of people within our church and other churches that we know. That they're faced with a decision of saying, if you want to work, you have to. To take the vaccination. Now once again just for the clarity. There has not been any proven benefit thus far. Now again you could argue against it. I'm just saying naturally speaking. Now it could be something that is very beneficial. We don't know yet. But it has not had enough time as of yet. 
And isn't it interesting that they want to mandate the workforce to hold the, the workforce accountable when government agencies or uh, political office holding people are not mandated themselves? Isn't that interesting? Even some doctors are not mandated within the hospitals, but they will mandate the workforce. Well, then once again, it causes you to pause and say, well, wait a minute. Why am I being forced to conform? Now, once again, I'm not pro or against vaccinations, but I am about taking a stand for our rights and our civil liberties as people of God. Right? And so there's coming a time where you're going to have to take a stand of what you're going to do. Am I going to bow to Nebuchadnezzar? Or am I going to take a stand? Now, once again, whatever decision you make, you do it through the actions of faith. My point is this, is that whatever liberties or freedoms we give up, we will never get back. Once you give them up, you'll never give them back. And once again, it's not just this, what we're losing. There's much more down the road concerning our faith. Now, one of the, the, the uh, parents, uh, uh, individuals that are facing this particular thing. And once again, I'm talking about understanding. Please stick with me. Understanding the kingdom of God in which we live. Because again, we, we are in this world, but we're not of it. Now, the one parent said, well, the thing that I'm really concerned about is that they're going to mandate our children to have to get the vaccination as well. And so now this is per, I can't remember the gentleman's name, I, uh, forgive me for losing it. But he's one of the guys that's uh, in the CDC and one of the head honchos. He was pressed with the question the other day and said, uh, there is no proven uh, viability to this as of yet. There's not been enough research as of yet. But yet you're forcing or wanting to take it over into the age of the children. So how can you justify giving it to children at this point in time? And they were asking the question very specifically concerning the children. But his response was this from a wide broad uh, a brushstroke, if you will. He said, well, he said, in order for you to find out whether or not it works or not, you have to give it to people. So read between the lines. He said... We're going to give it to your kids and we want your kids to be the guinea pigs and we'll find out whether or not it works or not. Now, once again, I am not anti or pro vaccination. My point is this. You have to make a decision based upon your convictions. You are not in this world. God said, don't be conformed to this world. So if there's something on the inside of you that says, don't conform because I got to take a stand for what I believe in, then allow God to back you up in this hour, in this time in which we're living. Amen. But once again, don't think that it's going to end there because persecution will come. Because once again, you might say, well, I don't want to lose my job, so I got to do X, Y, and Z. And then, well, then it's going to go over to the kids. But if I take it and don't let the kids do it, then I'm going to have to bring them home because they can't go to school. And therefore, I can't go to work. So therefore, I can't have income. Therefore, the kids got to get it. Listen, don't bow to mammon or money for the sake of the convictions that you have in your heart. Are you tracking with me? 
And once again, I am not necessarily just talking about a vaccination. I'm talking about you as the people of God. God has said in this hour, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, there is an hour and a time in which we need to be led by the spirit of God. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my family? And so that leads me to what we're going to be talking about today. Is that in this hour, when you're forced to make some hard decisions, there is favor and the grace of God that is available. I said that we are in the kingdom of God. Notice what he says here. He says in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 1, he says, I'm grateful to the Father who has qualified us to participate in the complete portion of his inheritance of the saints in the light. So did you hear what he said? He said, I am... So overwhelmed that I am qualified to partake of and participate in the inheritance that belongs to the saints. So in the kingdom of God, being a child of God, a Christian, there are things that are available to you and me that don't belong to this world. And when the devil comes and says to you, yeah, but you know what you did. Well, you missed church last week. Well, you didn't give the week before. And you know how you acted with the children. And you know what you said to the wife. And whatever the case might be. Listen, God did not say that you had to qualify yourself. Paul says, I'm grateful to the Father that through Jesus, he qualified me. And there's an inheritance, there's an endowment that belongs to me, not based on my merits, but based on Jesus. So in this hour, I don't have to say, oh dear God, I messed up. No, Jesus qualified me. And right now, whether I've been bad or good, grace and favor is available for me at this time. And so God wants us to understand or to know the grace and the favor that is available. He said, don't be conformed to this world. Now, what world is he talking about? Or what world does he want us to be aware of? The world in which we belong. That is the kingdom of God. Notice what Jesus said. John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief don't come but to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, the enemy comes to take away. Do you feel like things are being taken away from you right now? As a child of God, as a citizen of this nation, a a nation that was established under the, the foundations of the word of God. Are things being taken and stolen from us right before our eyes? Absolutely. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The translation means quality and quantity. But then that word life in the Greek is translated as the God kind of life. Now, once again, I know sometimes that messes with our brain, the God kind of life. But remember, you're not of this world. When you receive Christ, he translated you into the kingdom of his dear son that is ruled and governed by the love of the son. So that means that this life in which I now live has a quality and a quantity to it that has been provided for because I can now live the God kind of life. So that means throughout my life, throughout my day, throughout my work uh, experience, I can begin to say, what would God think? How would God act? What's God's desire in this circumstance, even though I'm facing opposition? When it comes to my marriage, what does God think about this? 
What is God's heart? What's God's desire? When it comes to your health, your healing, your well-being, your, your workplace, what is God's desire? Because He has an opinion on the matter, and it is of quality and quantity. And it's a God kind of life. Again, I asked the question last week, how many of us desire to go to heaven? And all of us raised our hand. I said, but sometimes it's like people think, man, it's going to be a lesser than when we get there. We're, you know, we don't want to go to hell, but we've got to go to heaven. But boy, it's going to cramp my style. Man, living for Jesus is good. It's good. Come on, somebody say it's good. Say this with me. I've been relocated into the kingdom of God. Where the love of Jesus rules. Amen. That's the place in which you live. If you're a child of God, you live and dwell in the place where God's love rules. Amen. So when you're facing hardships, God loves me. Come on, my kids have found themselves in difficult times. Situations. You know, I remember my, my son... When he was just a matter of a few weeks, he ended up having a hernia. Well, we were believing God and we're praying about it. And it was one of those walks of faith. And I said, but God, you know what? I'm not going to make my son suffer for the sake of me trying to exercise my faith. So therefore, we want to make sure that he gets the, the attention that he needs. And so we're facing this circumstance with, with our son. But as a father... I'm not going to put my son through hell just because I'm a Christian. And I'm going to say, I'm going to believe God. No, I want him to get the best care that he can. Right? And so we got him fixed. They got the hernia situated. The surgery went well and never had a problem again. Well, if I'll do that as a dad when my child faces difficulties and hardships, why do we think that God is like, you're on your own, dummy? Figure it out for yourself. Well, you got yourself into this, you get yourself out of it. How, how many of you have saw your kids get themselves in some difficult places and you help them because you love them? God's no different. He loves us. And so in this time and in this hour, there is a grace and a favor that is available. But again, we've got to understand that we're in the kingdom of God. So therefore, we're not just living a natural life. Now again, don't let this mess with you. But if I'm not just living a mere natural life and I'm living in the kingdom of God, what, does that, what kind of life does that mean that I'm living? I'm not living a mere natural life. I'm living a supernatural life. Now once again, that might mess with your thinking. A supernatural life. Oh, you one of those weirdos. It's not weird to talk that God wants a supernatural Natural life. He doesn't want it just to be natural. Going through the grubs of life. No, he wants it to be super. And so God puts his super on your natural. So that you can live at a higher level. As he said, I came that you would experience of quality and quantity. Why? Because you're in the kingdom of my son. And it's ruled by my love. Amen. Alright, so if that's the case. And when it comes to my life, our heavenly father, he desires more. And again, if you're thinking correctly, then the prayer that Jesus prayed makes us look at things a little bit different. Notice what he said when the disciples said, teach us how to pray. He says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Did he say you had to go to heaven in order to experience it? No. He said, on earth. You're in the world, but you're in my kingdom. So God's will that's in heaven can begin to be experienced here on this earth. But don't you know the gas prices keep going up? Oh, but listen. God's will works for me in this world. Oh, I got a bad report from the doctor. Oh, I realize that. But I know that my father said he's got a will of quality and quantity for my life. And so therefore his will on earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't desire for me to be broke, barely getting by in heaven. Nor does he want me to be sick in heaven. So that must mean that on earth it's not God's desire. Come on, is this helping you think differently? So therefore that means if you've got some things going on in your physical body. Things going on in your mind. Things going on in your finances. Don't just sit there and say, well, I guess this, that's what God wants. No, if it's not looking according to the will of God, or if you don't think it fits the mold of heaven, it don't fit the mold of your life because you're in the kingdom of God. Right? I wish somebody would get excited about this, man, because this is good stuff. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now listen to the last words. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He says, this kingdom has power available. So in other words, there's an endowment. There's an endowment of power. Do you know what the word endowment means? Inheritance. Or a provision made available. Well, once again, what is the provision or the power made available that we're going to talk about? I know I've been leading up to it. I haven't got to it yet. I'm talking about the favor and the grace of God. It's available in this hour. It's available for your family. It's available for your marriage. It's available for your workplace. If you'll allow God to move. All right, let me share a scripture with you. Concerning the favor of God. It's the God kind of life. Remember? He said it's the God kind of life of quality and quantity. And what helps me experience quality and quantity of life? Number one is the favor of God. In Psalms chapter 5 verse 12 it says this. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor and you will surround him as with a shield. So the favor of God... It says that it will surround us like a shield. So in other words, favor must have a protective nature about it. Now, what is the definition of favor? One is God's unmerited favor. But it's also God's desire to do for you. And put you over. Look at what it says here in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 3 and 5. Or 3 through 5. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the table of, tables of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your path. Did you notice that one latter part of the verse? We, we quote that all the time. Oh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your way and he'll direct your path. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But it says preceding that, that favor is what goes before you to help you experience that. Amen. In high regard, in high esteem, not only with God, but with man. 
So when you go into the workplace and they're saying, you need to make a decision. God, I thank you that there's favor that's working on my behalf. I've got favor in this situation. I've got the favor of God, not only with God, but with man. Now, what does that look like? Now, again, for the sake of sharing personal uh, uh, experiences, it begins to help you understand how the favor of God works. And for about a five-year period of time, when I was in my early 20s, God began to help teach me concerning the favor of God. So hopefully this will help you when you begin to face natural things in your life. Amen? All right, so when I was roughly around 23 years of age, I was working for the Birch Run Mall. Everybody know the Birch Run Mall? Ladies, you probably all know that really well. My wife is uh, VIP there. <laughs> they got plaques on parking spots for her and stuff now. <laughs> Almost. But anyways, I worked there for several years. And it was a decent job. And then I got an application to go to work for General Motors. And it was only on an apprenticeship or a, uh, a short span of time. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, a temporary. Yes. And so they said 120 days. And so as I was praying about it, I said to the Lord, I said, God, I don't want the job unless it's a full time job. I said, so if it's not my job, just let my name fall through the cracks. And I said, you know, I'll stay on the job that I'm working. And so they called me and they accepted me. They said, come on in and start going to work. Well, so I continued working my job at the mall. And again, it was a decent job along with working for General Motors. So I was working 80 hours a week. And then I had also started a business with a friend of mine where we did home remodel uh, renovations. And so we were working, I mean, like 100, 120 hours a week. I mean, I was just killing myself. And the Lord said to me one time, he says, didn't you ask me to let your name fall through the cracks unless it was a full-time job? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, then why are you still working this other job? <laughs> okay. So I went in and I quit the job at the mall and just continued to work at the, at the factory. Well, my 120 days came and they said, see you later. But see, when they said, see you later, and they gave me my pink slip, it didn't move me because I knew what I'd asked God about and what he had confirmed in my heart concerning it being a full-time job. And so I drew, drew unemployment. It was summertime. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. I just, I'll take the summer off, draw unemployment. You know, I'm a young guy living with mom and dad. So therefore, you know, I don't need, you know, I can get by on the unemployment. So I ran it to the end and I had one week left. And so I said, well, I, I haven't seen the job come through yet, but God is faithful. He said he would and therefore he will. But I might as well go find a job since my unemployment's running out. So I went and interviewed at a, at a furniture place, building furniture. I was a kind of a carpentry kind of guy. They hired me on the spot. And I said, praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Went home. And when I got home in the mailbox was my callback letter to come back to work for General Motors. So I had to call the furniture place and say, well, you know, I knew I was going to be like Jesus making furniture. But listen, I'm going to work for GM. I ain't doing it today. So I went to work for General Motors. Now, I had always parked in this same place whenever I went to work. My dad actually worked there, so we rode together. I parked in that spot, looked at the factory, saw the smokestacks on the top of the roof, and I said, God, I don't want to do this for 30 years. And God said to me, he said, are you going to do what I've called you to do now? I said, yes, sir. So I went in and I applied for Bible college. And just about a month and a half later, I was going to Oklahoma for Bible college. But I took a leave of absence. Now, I'm talking about the favor of God. 
Now, all through this, what I'm going to share with you is the favor of God in operation. If God will do it for one, remember last week we said he's not a respecter of persons. If God will do it for one, he'll do it for you. We're facing times and difficult times where we need to make decisions. But the question is, will we believe God in this hour? Or are we going to turn and be conformed to the world? Because that's what it's coming to. You're going to have to take a stand to believe in God. And so I applied for Bible college. They accepted me. And I took a leave of absence. They said, well, you've only been here for a few weeks, so we can give you 30 days. I said, I'll take it. So at the end of the 30 days, I called them. I said, well, I'm still in school, obviously. I said, can you give me an extension? They gave me an extension of 60 days. Then they gave me an extension of 90 days. And then they gave me an extension of 120 days. I'm like, well, thank you very much. But I called them the last time and I said, I still got six months of school left. I said, can I get an extension? And the, the guy said, well, the only way that we can find or, or that you can uh, uh, go for the rest of the school year is if you now listen to these words. If you find favor in the plant manager's eyes. I said, all right. So the union guy called the plant manager and he says, he calls me back and he says, well, when are you done with school? I said, on May 16th, it's a Friday. He says, we'll be back, in to, be back to work on May 18th. It's a Monday. I said, okay, I'll be there. So I finished up my schooling for that year, went back to work as soon as I got home. Now I got to go back to school because in the fall, it's firing back up again, right? And so I go down to the Human resources, now for whatever reason, my uh, uh, seniority continued to mature. And so I went down there and I said to the human resources guy, I said, I'd like to apply for an educational leave. And he said, well, you just went, went to school and just got back from an educational leave. I'm like, uh, uh, contraire, mon frere. I said, now listen, I said, I took a personal leave of absence and not an educational leave. I said, before I didn't qualify for educational leave, but I said, now I can. And he looked at me with kind of that irritation. He says, you're right. Signed the papers and I went back off to school. The favor of God. Now, when I graduated finally, I came back to work, still had my job working for General Motors. And then, lo and behold, I met my wife. We were just dating at the time. And so she came back to Michigan after she graduated that last year. She had one more year to go. She came back to Michigan, and we're talking about buying a house. But, you know, you couldn't buy a house for much back then. And uh, I said, God, I don't want a cardboard box. I said, but I also don't want to rent. I, I, what am I supposed to do, God? And God kept asking this question, will you trust me? And I said, yes, Lord, I will. He said, well, then just go ahead and rent that townhouse. And he says, I'll take care of it. Well, so sometimes all you know is this what the Lord would speak to your heart. And so you follow that. And how many of you know following God takes faith because he don't always paint the big picture. He just shows you some glimpses at times. And so we rented a townhouse. And then I got transferred. I got transferred down to Livonia. Well, when I got transferred down to Livonia, I was working down there for just a few months. And then they were closing the plant. Well, where we were at was actually in Birch Run. And so they called me and they said, well, we're going to transfer you to Saginaw, the Saginaw plant up there. It's called Steering Gear. And they said, you know, uh, we're closing this plant down. So that's where you got to go. But because you're moving outside of the range of where our factory is, we're going to give you $60,000 as a moving bonus. I'm like, okay. Well, I was going an hour and a half to get to work. Now I got 19 minutes. I said, thank you. I'll take the check. Now, what am I saying? 
I didn't want to get a small rinky-dink house or one that I just wasn't happy with. But now God made a way seeing down the road. I wasn't conformed to the pressure of life, making decisions that I thought I had to. I trusted God and the favor of God went before us. And all along the way, the favor of God paved the way. And so we bought a house. First house, we're still there, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's been a blessing. But it's time to increase, praise the Lord. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about the favor of God that's working in the midst of your life. And if you'll purpose to trust God, the favor of God will work for you, not only in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of man. You have favor. So when I go to the store, I expect to get deals. I expect to get sales. I expect to get good driving or uh, 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 good parking spots. You say, well, you do. Yeah, because I'm according. I live according to the kingdom of God. And so the favor of God goes before me. I expect God to take care of me. When I go to the restaurant, I expect to have good seats. When I go to certain meetings and I'm purposing to be in meetings, I want a good seat. When I go to the movies, I want a good seat. The favor of God goes before me. You might say, well, that's just getting ridiculous. No, I'm, not, I'm talking about living and thinking and living by a different means of life. Not being conformed to the world. Because if you're conformed to the world, the world will say, this is what you're going to have to accept. Just like it or lump it. But I'm according, I live according. I live and I am a part of the kingdom of God. Can somebody say amen? So therefore, if God will do it for me, he'll do it for you. He's not a respecter of persons. Amen. All right. Give me just a couple more minutes and we'll wind this down. I said that there's the favor of God. The favor of God will surround you. It will protect you. It's a shield that will be raised around you. But then there is the grace of God. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says, seeing to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceptions... It says, but according to the traditions or according to the traditions and the musings of mere men, follow the elementary, following the elementary principles of this of this world, rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. Did you notice what it said? It said, don't be captivated. By the teachings of this world. But there are principles by which we can follow the truth of Jesus. The favor, or excuse me, grace is God's unmerited favor. But grace is also God's ability to do in you and through you what you can't do of yourself. You're in an hour and a time. The church is in an hour where we need the grace of God functioning in our life. Why? Because we are in the kingdom. We live in this world, but we're not of it. So the grace of God works in my life. There is a grace upon my life. Have you ever noticed that there are people that do things and that they're gifted to do it? I mean, the tech people. I mean, they're graced to do it. The worship team, they're graced to do it. If you don't think they're graced to do it, then come on up and grab a... A guitar right now and let's see what you got. Listen, that's when it comes a joyful noise to the Lord, right? 
There's a grace that people function in. Notice what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. And His grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest. Yet not in my own strength, but God's. For His empowering grace is pouring out upon me. So there's grace that is available to empower you to do what you can't do. Notice he says, I did more work than all the rest of them. And it was because of the grace of God upon me. There is a grace that will show up in your marriage to help you when you feel like you can't do it no more. There's a grace that will come upon you in the workplace when you feel like you can't do it no more. When your mind and your body are letting you down and you feel like you just have no more strength, there is a grace that will lift you up and empower you and take you beyond where you think you can. There's a grace that belongs to us as children of God. We have to recognize it. There's a grace that will refresh us. There's a, there's a grace that will restore joy. And there is a grace that will bring an ease to the task at hand. You might feel like you've been laboring for the longest time. You may feel like, man, God, it has been hard. But there is a grace available. I said there's a grace available. Why? Because we're God's kids. And we're in the kingdom of God. Amen? And let me say this just in closing. You can frustrate the grace. I said you can frustrate the grace of God. How? Just don't stay in your lane. You know that God's called you to be in a certain place at a certain time. He's empowered you to do certain things. But when you get out of your lane. You know have you ever felt that. Man somebody over there. They're doing things that look so much more fun. And you try to do what they do. But it just feels like. God, I, I'm struggling. Well, you got out of your lane. So you frustrate the grace. Sometimes you'll do more than what's needed. This is what God's graced me for. Or the grace of God has empowered me for this right here. But I keep pushing through the arm of the flesh. And I frustrate the grace. And therefore, I'm no longer functioning under the grace, but under just the natural man. You entertain wrong thoughts. The enemy's great at bringing comparisons. You'll frustrate the grace. If you give way to complaining, negative talk, you'll frustrate the grace. And you'll revert to living just as natural men. But there's a grace, and there is a favor that we can walk in. And in this hour, it is available. And when you face difficult decisions, rest in the grace. Rely on the favor. And God will lead you. And God will bring you out. Can somebody say amen? Let's stand. Oh, there's always so much that you want to share and you just feel like you never have enough time to get through it all. I trust that you got something out of this this morning. Say it with me. Say it. There's grace and there's favor available to me.
Because I've been translated into the kingdom of God. That's ruled by the son of his love. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray right now that in these days and hours, months that are ahead of us as the people of God. I pray that we're beginning to adjust our thinking. That we're seeing things differently. That I'm just not subject to what's ahead or what everybody puts down the pike. But Lord, I am a child of God. We are in the kingdom of God. And there is a life of quality and quantity that we can experience because of the favor and the grace of God. God, we thank you that we become more aware of it. Yield to it in our lives. And walk in it. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.